Lord Jesus, we thank you for your incredibly generous grace that you lavished upon us. We were not deserving of what you did for us on the cross, but we want to say thank you. And I pray now as we turn to scripture, as we hear the testimonies of those who have been given grace in this last week, Lord, we pray that you will increase our hearts to be generous towards others as we respond to your generosity through Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Last Sunday, we passed out three white envelopes uh, to people here in this church service. And I would like to invite those three people to come forward right now who receive the white envelopes. You can come on up. You can just be right here. Um, each one of those envelopes contained money, uh, cold hard cash. One, one envelope contained $20, one contained 30 and the other one contained $50. You all can come on up to the step if you want. And each of these people were given an assignment during this last week to use the money in the envelope as a blessing to others. Freely they had received, and freely they were called to pass it on to others. And I just have a question for each of you as we get started here. If you all could each just share how you used uh, the money that was in the envelope, and then share if you saw any sort of response from the money that you used. Uh, Not all gifts elicited a response that you can see, but if you saw a response, what was that response? So, so how do you use the money, and what was the response? Well, I'm Mike Brown. Um, this is Olivia. Hey. Hello, Olivia. Um, the the um, envelope actually went to Olivia, so we decided to do it as a family. And so we thought about the many ways that we could use the money to help others. And it was on Olivia's heart that she wanted to give it to who? Africa. Africa, yes. So we talked about a lot of different options, and Africa was really on our heart. No matter what other ideas we had, it was Africa, Africa, Africa. Why Africa? Because someone in Africa every five seconds dies because they have no medicine, no clothes, no shelter. So I was pretty stunned when she came up with that, and I was like, I can't argue with that at all, (laughs) right? So that was awesome. Where did you learn that? VBS. So I thought it was pretty cool. Now, we, did, we have an organization that we trust, and it's World Vision, and we decided that that would most likely be the way we could deliver it to Africa successfully. At the same time, a day later, we got a flyer in the mail from World Vision that any donations during this time are multiplied by eight. Wow. So <laughs> I've got to say that it was a pretty easy choice. So, And what was the amount in your envelope? The amount in the envelope was $50. So that Multiply went... Multiply that to $400. Yes. Wow. So God works. So it, it's amazing. So I was like, that was amazing. And she was all on board. So This wasn't an easy task. <laughs> As you would think, giving some money to someone would be easy. But um, I was standing in the grocery store, and this lady had her um, her baby in the cart, and um, she was putting things away. And um, I thought, I walked up to her, and I said, do you um, not want those things? And she said, of course I do. Um, I don't have the money. And I go, but you do today. 
so um, I gave her $30. She looked around and she goes, like there was cameras. <laughs> she was like, You're on candid is this camera. a joke? Yeah, she thought it was a joke. Um, so I said, this, this is for you and buy your things today. And she said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, hmm. I am serious. So um, it was great, you know, it was great to be hmm. able to do that. And it took me till yesterday <laughs> To be able to do that, but um, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. You know, mm-hmm. you can hand anybody money, but um, to make it, you know, matter, mm-hmm. it was wonderful. And I think I've seen a couple of things in there besides some food, but a hat for her boy and stuff. And that's really what made me think, mm-hmm. you know, she needed the money. So mm-hmm. It was great. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds like it went to a great cause. Well, as... Um as Alyssa handed the envelope to me last Sunday, uh, my mind started working. And uh, we've always had a favorite charity, uh, Samaritan's Purse. And we had obviously just a day or two before that heard about the tornadoes down in uh, Illinois. And uh, that was the first thought that came to my mind. But I had learned from uh, multiple experiences in, in my life that it is always unbelievably rewarding when you can uh, touch someone uh, face-to-face. And so um, later that Sunday afternoon, uh, I kept thinking about there, there needs to be uh, someone locally that, that I, I could touch with this money. And um, by uh, Sunday evening, I, I had selected uh, how I was going to do this, and um, I knew of a family that uh, was going to be facing some challenges. I didn't know exactly where they lived, so on Monday morning I, I, I got in the car and I drove to where they lived because I wouldn't be able to see them until uh, Monday evening. I had planned to call the, their home and see if I could stop. And um, from visiting where they lived, I headed to Walmart. Yeah, I had some shopping to do. Uh, I had my cart, came around the corner, and there one of the family members was. And I proceeded to uh, ask how they were doing. And uh, about 15 minutes into sharing with that family some, uh, hopefully, words of encouragement, uh, the subject came up about you know, they just didn't know how they were going to deal with some of the financial issues that they would also be faced with. And uh, at that point, I opened up my wallet and uh, gave them the money that uh, the church, and I told them it, it, it was from the church. So it, uh, if you uh, would want to know how they reacted, I got a great big hug. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, you can hold on to the microphone. Okay. Now, the other question I wanted to ask this morning is, I mean, you were given money. It wasn't ultimately your money. How does it feel to be entrusted with money that wasn't ultimately yours? For me personally, um, I felt that this, this whole process was orchestrated by God. Um, the fact that he brought this, in, this, this family member to me sooner than I had planned under circumstances different than I had planned. 
that his plan actually took place, I felt unbelievably privileged to be the messenger. I agree. Um, I was I was a little scared, but um, I was like, "Can I can I do this task at hand?" Mm -hmm. um, but um, it, it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see the look on her face, um, and hear her say thank you, and that she was able to do what she wanted to do. You know, so that was wonderful. Well, Olivia and I had two different perspectives. I asked, I asked Olivia, I'm like, was it hard to give this money? No, we should give more. <laughs> Mine was, it was funny. It was because I know that all of our resources are given to us by God. You know, our paychecks are given to us by God. But this $50 had a weight with it. I was spending money that was given to me by the church. And that gave me a weight that this money better count. And how that differs from the money that God provides to us in our paychecks, it's the same. But in my heart, during that time, I really noticed all week, oh, we could give it to this, or we could give it to them, or we could, you know, we should go to Milwaukee. We should go to Milwaukee Rescue Mission. This should be local, on and on and on. And when I asked her, she gave me the answer that, and that's where we went. But it was amazing. And it, it shouldn't have been any different, but it was. It helped you see the sense of responsibility when you were entrusted with money. Yes, especially money that you, you, don't, you think it's not mine. Yeah. But it was entrusted by the same entity either way. It was from God. So it just was delivered through the church. But it definitely held a different weight. Hmm. That's great. Well... I applaud you all for following through on that. And I mean, what a blessing to hear these stories of you being a blessing to others. So let's give them another round of applause. Thank you all. You can go back to your seats. Yeah. Thank you. Today we are talking about the topic of financial generosity. And oftentimes when churches or, or Christian leaders talk about financial generosity, there, people get a little bit leery. There, on one hand, people can get kind of defensive, feeling like, okay, my money is mine, and who are you to tell me how I should use my money? Stay out of, your, stay out of my business. That's some people's reaction. Other people kind of get a bit skeptical or suspicious, wondering, okay, what are the motives for why you are talking about financial generosity? Now, we have to acknowledge that uh, churches at times and Christian leaders at times have been, um, they've, they've misused finances. It's a reality in our fallen world that, that churches and church leaders don't always use finances in the way that they were intended. They aren't good stewards of those finances. And, and sometimes you get churches that are more focused on having big budgets and big beautiful buildings and um, pastors who have great salaries. They get more, more focused on those things at times than making disciples. And that's a travesty. But we do have to acknowledge those things when we come to this topic of financial generosity. But I think when we look at Scripture, it's very clear that God is not shy when talking about money. When you look at Jesus, God here on earth in human form, he, he loved to talk about money. Let me give you a few examples. I think we would all agree that the topics of heaven and hell are quite important topics. But if you took all the teaching that Jesus gave on heaven and hell that's recorded in the Scripture 
and you weighed it up against all the times he talked about money, he would have talked about money more than he talked about heaven and hell. Or take prayer. I think we'd all agree prayer is very important. Jesus talked twice as much about money as he talked about prayer. And in saying these things, I'm not saying that prayer and heaven and hell and things like that are not important. They are incredibly important. But it also shows that in Jesus' mind, the way that we view and use money is also incredibly important. In Jesus' ministry, he used a lot of parables, these these stories that, that gave a spiritual point. We have recorded in Scripture 38 different parables. Of those 38 parables, 16 of them directly related to money or possessions. Now, it's oftentimes been said that you can tell a lot about a person's priorities simply by looking in their checkbook register or in their, in their credit card statement. And I think that if you ask Jesus, and if you look in the scripture, you see that, you know what, Jesus would probably agree to that. That, that, that. The way that we use our money does say a lot about what our priorities are in life. I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9, we are in our third of four weeks in a sermon series called Generous. And the last couple of weeks, we've really looked a lot at God's generosity to us, especially through Jesus. And, and we've been talking about how his generosity to us should give us a, a mentality or an attitude of generosity towards others in everything that we do. And today, as I said, we're specifically talking about this topic of financial generosity. And I want to give you a little bit of background on this passage before we dive into it. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and chapter 9, it's really one big uh, appeal that, that the Apostle Paul is making to the church in the Greek city of Corinth. And he's appealing to the Corinthians to give financially, especially to help the, Jewish, or the church in Jerusalem. You see, the Christians in Jerusalem that, at that point were um, on a large scale struggling with poverty for a number of different reasons. One, uh, food was very scarce in, or in and around Jerusalem at that time. There had been a famine just a few years earlier, and this made life hard for everyone there. But Christians were particularly disadvantaged because when a Jewish person converted to Christianity in Jerusalem, which was the center of Judaism, that, that, that new Christian would oftentimes be ostracized from society and ostracized economically. So they were at a significant disadvantage when it came to getting jobs or keeping jobs. And so they faced challenges. And on top of that, the Christian church in Jerusalem was kind of the mother church for all of Christianity. It was the largest church that was there. And they faced a lot of unique burdens financially because of that. For instance, they had to support more teachers who would be traveling around uh, the countryside there. They had to support more Christian teachers than any other church did. They supported a large number of widows. They supported a lot of Christians who would be traveling to Jerusalem, and they would offer them hospitality, which is a great thing to do. But, but there were many different things that were causing financial burdens and even poverty among these Christians in Jerusalem. And so Paul here in 2 Corinthians, and also in some of his other letters, he's appealing to these churches to give generously to help support the brothers and sisters in Christ there in Jerusalem. In our passage today at the end of 2 Corinthians 9 is the conclusion that he's giving to this appeal to support them generously. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 9 beginning in verse 6. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, 
And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for your obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the, uh, because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, we're going to be looking at several different aspects of this passage here today. It's really an incredibly rich passage. I really enjoyed studying this passage for today's message. And the first thing I want to point to here is uh, this topic of cheerful financial generosity. And Paul says very early on in this passage that cheerful financial generosity gives God joy. He starts out in this passage using an agricultural metaphor. He says, whoever uh, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's a, it's a proverb that's uh, a general truth that, that the more so, uh, seed that you sow in the springtime, the bigger your harvest is going to be later on. The less seed you sow, the smaller your harvest is probably going to be. And this agricultural metaphor carries on throughout this passage, the idea of, of sowing seed, of watching the seed grow, and then of reaping the harvest. And what Paul is essentially saying here to these the Christians in Corinth is he's saying, you know what, if you guys contribute meagerly to this, to this money that we're raising for the Jerusalem church, the harvest that, uh, from the money that you contribute is going to be rel- relatively meager as well. But if you all contribute really generously, you're going to reap a very generous harvest, both for yourselves and for those who are living in Jerusalem who will receive these gifts. And he goes on to say here that each person has a responsibility to give purposefully and cheerfully. Look with me to verse 7. He said, says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. So he starts out saying each man, which really means each person. Each person has a responsibility to give. He, Paul's not just saying, okay, which ones of you out there are the ones who make the money? I mean, the big dollars. Which ones of you are the doctors and the lawyers and the CEOs and the engineers? You guys are the ones who should give a lot of money. He's not saying that. He's saying, yes, okay, they should give money. Everyone, though, should, should contribute to this. He says each one, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. This idea of deciding in your heart to give shows the intentionality, the purposefulness in this giving. I mean, there is certainly a time for impulsive giving. When perhaps an urgent need or something that you weren't expecting came up and you just feel like on the, in the spur of the moment, I should give to that. There's certainly a place for that. 
But what Paul is saying here and elsewhere in his letters is he makes it very clear that overall, in our, in our general giving, there should be a purposefulness to it. That we should be prayerful in, in what we are giving. That we should, if we're married, talk with our spouse about, okay, what are we going to give here? We should seek out scripture and ask, okay, what are biblical principles that apply to me in this particular situation on an amount that I should or should not give? It even means that when we are establishing our budget, when we're talking about, okay, how are we going to spend our money, that we are factoring in generous giving in the process. So Paul is saying here, give what you've decided in your heart. Give it purposefully, but also give it cheerfully. He's saying, you know what, don't give it reluctantly. Reluctant giving is kind of like, okay, if you have the offering plate going up and down your aisle or your row there, and you put in some money, but as the offering plate goes on, you're like, oh, I can't believe I really put that in there. I, I could have bought this or that with it. And, I mean, you're kind of sad that you're giving away the money even though you give it away. That's reluctant giving. Paul's saying, no, don't do that. Paul's also saying, don't give under compulsion. Compulsion is when you feel pressured to give. Like when you hear a sermon on giving, you think, okay, I, I just need to give more because that's what I'm supposed to do. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not sitting here trying to twist their arms, saying you need to give or else. He's saying, no, give cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, when we talk about this topic of giving, there is another topic that's closely related to it that oftentimes comes up. I have experienced it many times in my conversations with people. And it's a topic of what about the tithe? You see, back in the Old Testament times, Jews were expected to give 10% of everything that they had to God. Whether it was livestock or grain or fruit or money, 10% of everything they had went to the Jewish temple in order to support the work of God in Israel. This was the norm. Now the question is, does that still apply uh, directly to Christians today? And I think when we look at the New Testament, we don't see anywhere where it precisely prescribes that we are called as Christians to give 10% of everything to God. We do see in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, that their giving should be in proportion to our income, but it doesn't give a specific percentage. And so I think we need to just examine Scripture and ask ourselves, okay, what is God asking of us? Unfortunately, when we look at what Christians do give in today's society, I mean, they aren't anywhere near the 10% mark, the average Christian gives about 2.5% to God's work. And I think that's a very sad commentary on the state of how we view and use our money in light of eternity. But we, just, we still come back to that topic of what is the New Testament uh, calling for generosity? What's God calling us to give? Well, Paul gives us an inkling of this in, in this passage in 2 Corinthians. If you back up earlier to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul, still in the context of giving generously, he points to Jesus. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And we see this repeatedly as Paul is speaking about giving generously. He continually goes back to Jesus as a standard for our giving. You think about Jesus. Jesus did not tithe his life. He didn't tithe his blood. He gave it all. I mean, he, Jesus didn't ask, okay, what's the minimum amount I can do in order to get people's salvation? 
No, he gave it all. And he gave it with joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus was the definition of a cheerful giver. I mean, he gave cheerfully and joyfully, generously. He gave it all. And for us, we are to recognize that everything that we have does belong to God. It's his. And so that should be the standard of our generosity. It doesn't mean that we give away 100% of what we have. Because God also knows that, that we do have to use what we have to provide shelter and food and, and sustenance for us. But he is saying, view uh, your, your stuff, view your life as a worship offering to God. That everything you have ultimately belongs to him. And so we, we have this topic of, okay, the tithe. Well, Scripture doesn't specifically say 10%, but it does say recognize that everything you have is God's. And I think that if we really have internalized the gospel, we will be inclined to be generous. And that doesn't necessarily mean a specific percentage. I do think that 10% can be a helpful reference point for our giving. I mean, God has given us more grace and more revelation about himself in the new covenant than the old. So, I mean, I don't think you can really argue, okay, God expects, expects less of, it, of us. He expects us to give, it all, give, us, give ourselves all to him. I mean, for Shelley and I, um, I mean, we, we look at the 10% kind of as a helpful starting point. I mean, that's, so we give 10% of our gross income to the things of God. And, I mean, other things like missionary support and boiler fund stuff and adoption fundraisers, that's on top of that. Because we think it's a good, helpful starting point. But I also recognize that there are a lot of people who are able to do more than that. But for us, that's what works. I mean, sometimes people ask, okay, am I supposed to give 10% of gross, 10% of net? That's really asking the wrong question. Because you're trying to, in asking that question, a lot of times people are asking, what's the minimum that I can get away with? Well, remember, Jesus didn't ask what's the minimum he can do. He, he gave it all for our good and for God's glory. And we're to view ourselves and our lives and our money in the same way. And we still have this topic of giving generously and, and especially giving cheerfully. And I think when it comes to giving cheerfully, we can wonder how in the world are we supposed to do that because I kind of like keeping my money for myself. I kind of like spending money on, on nice toys and nice things. And how do I give cheerfully? Well, Paul, as he goes on in this passage, shows that cheerful financial generosity results from responding to God's generosity. We look at God's generosity to us and we say, wow. If we want to give like that, we are so grateful for what he's done for us that we can't help but want to pass that on to others. Paul in this passage shows that we are called to be stewards of God's resources. That everything we have is entrusted to us by God. It, it, the definition of a steward is essentially someone who oversees or is responsible for something that belongs to someone else. So if you are a babysitter, for instance... You don't own that child. The child's not yours. You're a steward of that child in the hours that you're watching that child when you're babysitting. If you work in a job where you oversee part of a budget, you are a steward of that budget. You are called to use it wisely. You're held accountable for it. Not to waste it, but you are a steward of it. If you work at a grocery store, you are a steward of, uh, say, the boxes and the cans and the jars that you're putting up on the shelves. You shouldn't abuse that stuff. You shouldn't throw it on the ground. You shouldn't leave milk out in the hot sun for three hours and ignore it. You're not a good steward of it if you do that. 
But you are a steward if you are taking care of it, if you're being responsible with it, because it's not ultimately yours, but you're the steward. The people who received the envelopes last week, they were stewards of the money in those envelopes. I mean, it was very clear and obvious that the money did not ultimately belong to them. They were entrusted with the responsibility of passing it on to others because they were stewards of it. And as you heard from the testimonies, they wanted to do it in a very wise and responsible way, which is beautiful. That's a great picture of being a steward. Look with me to verse 10 in this passage. Paul writes, Now he, meaning God, now God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Now it's using a metaphor here, but it's essentially saying, you know what? Everything we have comes from God. God supplies us with all of our resources, with all of our food, and we are simply stewards of it. And when we recognize that we are stewards of everything that we have, that it's not ultimately ours, it's amazing how that changes our perspective. I would say that if you talked with people who had those envelopes and you asked them, okay, was it a temptation to want to keep it for yourself or did you, were you ready to give it away and stuff like that? I bet that, that the people who had those envelopes would say, you know what? It wasn't that tempting to keep it for myself because it wasn't mine. I was entrusted with the responsibility. It's easy to give cheerfully when you realize that what you're giving is not ultimately yours, isn't it? Someone gives you $50 and says, go out and spend this on someone else. It's easy to give that cheerfully because you easily recognize that it's not ultimately yours. Now, we still have this issue of it's at times hard to give cheerfully because we're wondering, what if I don't have enough? What if I don't have what I need to, to live in the way I want to live? Well, that's why Paul also points out the importance of trusting in God's provision here. Look up in, in verse 8 with me. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So it says that God is going to provide for you. He's going to meet every single need that you have. He may not meet all of your greeds, but he's going to meet your needs. And the question for us is whether we really trust God's provision in our lives. Because that oftentimes is something that hinders us from giving to others because we think if we give, we won't have enough to, to live for ourselves. Do we trust God's provision? You know, I, I think that this faith in God, this trust in God is really like a muscle. I mean, if you want to build stronger muscles, you need to work them out. I mean, people who have been sick for a long time, who have been bedridden, their muscles atrophy. They weaken because their muscles are not being used. And this idea of trusting in God exercises the faith muscle. That we, have to, that we have to develop that faith muscle. We have to use faith in order to grow in faith. If you, if you feel like, I don't have much faith in God, perhaps it's because you haven't been trusting God with much up to that point. I look at my life and, and just my trust in God, and there are a number of different powerful times I've seen God's provision in my life that are really defining moments in terms of helping me to trust in God. I think, for instance, of back just after I graduated from college, I was going on staff with the campus ministry, and I was essentially a missionary. I had to raise my own financial support. I had to raise $2,820 in monthly support. That, mean, that meant that I had to find individuals and churches who would give me $2,820 a month 
commit to that on an ongoing basis in order for me to do my ministry, to have my salary, insurance, ministry expenses, things like that. It was scary to, to embark on that journey starting out at 0%, then going up to like 5%. I mean, that's, that's a big mountain to climb. I remember driving around in my truck to these early support appointments when I'm sitting at like 7% of my goal. And there was a song that I would play over and over and over. It was by a Christian artist named Rich Mullins. And I would just play that as I'm driving to these appointments. And, and the, one of the main lines in that song says, Hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. That's what I felt like. I mean, it was scary. Uh, I mean, I'm going to meet people I never talked with before. I'm, going to, I'm asking these people I've never met before to, to support me financially on an ongoing basis. It was, it was scary. But it was amazing to see God provide through that process. And that is one of the, the defining times of my life in terms of exercising and strengthening that faith muscle. Now, whenever I wonder, okay, where, where are the finances going to come from? How is God going to provide here? I always think back to that. Or I think of our adoptions. In, in the course of three years, when we started here at Freedon's, we, we adopted two different children. International adoption isn't cheap. We somehow had to come up with $60,000 in three years for these adoptions. Needless to say, we were not going to be able to do all that from our own pocket. I mean, we, we literally could not. But we saw God's provision. And, and much of his provision came through the generosity of other people around us. And so seeing God's provision in, all the, in those circumstances really increased our faith muscle, helped us to trust God's provision more and more because we saw that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will be able to abound in every good work. And so as we saw God's generosity to us, we're able to pass that on to others generously. Oftentimes when, when you think of building that faith muscle of trusting God and being generous, it starts small. I mean, if you've never lifted weights before and you go into a weight room, you're not going to throw a couple of 45-pound plates on either side and bench press 225 right at the outset, are you? No. You're going to start out... Sometimes you struggle to bench the bar, 45 pounds. But you start with that, then, then you build up your muscle over time. It's the same way with giving generously. That oftentimes it starts relatively small. I remember when I was in college, I mean, every time the offering plate would go past, I'd throw in like a couple dollars or something like that because I feel like that's what I should do. One time, I don't know why, I don't know if I was feeling generous that day or if I only had a 20 in my wallet, I threw in a $20 bill in the offering plate relatively poor college student. And I remember, I mean, I, I had this sense of exhilaration. There was cheerfulness there. I wasn't reluctant. It was also a, kind of a strange feeling to see that $20 bill go in the offering plate down the aisle and, well, there it goes. But, but it was exciting at the same time to be able to give generously to God. There was this, almost this thrill of giving generously, of trusting God. And that's grown over time to where that faith muscle's grown so that now we're able to give more generously than we did before. And that's what happens in our lives. I know that many people here are giving very generously already. And if you are giving generously to God's work, I want to say thank you. Because the generous giving of people here at Freedons is what supports the ministry of this church, supports a dozen missionaries around the world. It makes a difference. And I know that Freedons Church is not the only place that if you're giving generously, it's certainly not the only place that you're giving. I want to say thank you. But if you are looking at your life and you say, I want to grow in my generosity, how do I do that? 
Let me give you three practical tips. One thing is to simply process and internalize the principles that we've been talking about in this series, especially internalizing God's generosity to us. Because when we understand the fullness of God's generosity through the gospel, it will help us to be generous to others. A second practical tip is simply to start somewhere. Give something. Because by giving something, you are, going, are increasing your giving a little bit. It's going to help build that faith muscle. So because as you give some, you realize, you know what? That didn't hurt that much. I can do that. So then you give a little bit more. You become more and more generous. And the third thing, I think a very important thing, I mean, if, in terms of being purposeful in our giving, is to build margin into our finances. Margin says that I don't need to live on 100% of what I bring home as income. See, our mentality as Americans is we want to live with the highest standard of living we can. So if we make, for instance, $4,000 a month, the American way is essentially to live on $4,000 a month or even more with credit cards and debt. That's, that's our standard. And it's really hard to be generous or to give cheerfully in that circumstance. But living with margin says, you know what, I may make $4,000 a month, but I really don't need to live on a full $4,000 a month. I could live on $3,000 a month. This is just a a hypothetical uh, scenario here. But if you live on less than you need to, less than you make, it opens up margin so that you're able to save money, which is a good and healthy and biblical thing to do. But it also opens it up so you can give generously. So that you don't feel the pinch when you're giving because, you know what, you don't need all that. You have margin built in. And really this idea of margin applies not only to being generous financially, but being generous in practically every other way. I mean, think about it with time. So many of us struggle to give of our time because we're so busy. We're getting just tired because we're just going, going, going. And we don't have the time to give to others. But if we build margin into our schedules, which I admit is incredibly hard to do, but if we are able to do that, slow down, do fewer things, it will open up opportunities for us to give generously to others. Many times we won't even see the opportunities until we open up the time because when we're so busy, we're blind to it. That's the beauty of building margin into our lives, whether it's with our time, emotionally, with finances, or any other way. It opens us up to more and more generosity. Now, in this passage, we also see Paul talking about what could be called the cycle of generosity. Cycle of generosity, uh, we see it in verse 11 here. He says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so I picture it, we, I mean, we think of this idea of pay it forward, of, of be generous to others, and then they continue the cycle and continue the cycle. But when we look at the idea of God's provision in our lives, it actually uh, introduces a new vertical dimension to the idea of paying it forward. It's the idea of God blessing us. And as God blesses us, then we, are, we can pass on that blessing to other people. And as we pass on that blessing to other people, they then give thanks and praise back to God. That's what Paul's talking about here in verse 11. He says, Through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I think of the times I've experienced great generosity from others. I think of once when I was raising my financial support. Um, I mean, I had supporters who gave anywhere from like $5 a month up to a lot more than that. 
There was one particular young woman named Penny I met just at a church. I mean, we were, I was speaking at a church one morning and in a Sunday school class of, of younger adults and younger families and stuff. And there was this woman named Penny there, and she said after the service, hey, can you just give me some of your information? I'd, I'd like to think about supporting you financially. I never really had that much of a personal conversation with her, never met with her one-on-one or anything like that. But I, I received an envelope in the mail from her a couple weeks later. And I remember sitting in my dad's lazy boy in our living room, opening that envelope, not knowing what I'd find inside. Penny, she was a single mom. She was a nurse. Opened up this, this envelope, and she was committing to support me for $100 a month. $100 a month. And, I mean, for me and the support I was raising, that, that's a pretty good chunk of money. Not what I was expecting from a single mom uh, who was, I imagine, I mean, not exactly rolling in the dough, um, to give someone she'd barely met before. But when I saw that, I literally, oh, quite literally, I almost fell out of the chair. I mean, it was, it was so shocking. It was also so humbling, so encouraging at the same time. And I experienced this, this dynamic where, I, I mean, I not only thanked her, but I, I thanked and praised God for his provision through her. That's what the generosity that we give to others does is it wells up in thanksgiving and praise to God. Now, we do need to recognize that in this idea of this triangle of God blessing us, us blessing others, and then thanks and praise going back to God, God continues to give us blessings to pass on to others, but we need to recognize that the blessings don't always come in the form of more finances. I mean, there are certainly stories out there of people who say, give $10,000 to their church, and then the next week they get this unexpected bonus from work for $20,000. I mean, there are stories out there like that, but I'm not really a fan of sharing those stories in this context because that's certainly not the norm for how God works. We do know that he will give us more blessings to keep passing on to others, but it might be financial blessings, but it might be other types of blessings too. It might be blessings of just a gracious and um, a thankful heart. It might be the blessing of joy and cheerfulness that we can pass on to others. I mean, it's up to God to determine how he wants to give us blessings to pass on to others. Might be financial, might be otherwise. We need to recognize that, you know what, we are called simply to be generous and trust God to provide for us. Now, finally, I want to point out from this passage that cheerful financial generosity displays the gospel. Look with me to verses 12 through 15. Paul says, The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you prove yourselves, men will praise God. You see, you have that thanks and that praise going back to God right there because of this generosity. They will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. So Paul here is saying that that this generosity that the Corinthians are going to show displays their commitment to the gospel. That for them, the gospel is not just about head knowledge. It's about being lived out in their lives. It's transforming them from the inside out. And that's what generosity shows. It demonstrates a transformed heart. It shows their treasure is not in earthly things any longer, but our treasure is in Christ and in sharing his love with others. If we go on in this passage, Paul says, for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. 
Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So we see here, especially in this very last verse, that generosity points to Jesus, the greatest gift of all. Paul closes out this passage. I mean, he's woven ideas of the gospel and Jesus throughout this passage about giving, throughout 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But here he kind of comes to this climax of, saying, of returning to Jesus, saying, look at this indescribable gift, Jesus Christ, whom God has given. Jesus became poor. He was rich. He became poor for our sakes, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Now each one of us has been given many, many blessings in our lives. And we may see it, we may not. Sometimes we have a lot of finances, sometimes we have a few. But I want you to think for a moment as we close about this topic of the finances that God has entrusted to you. In essence, he's given each one of us a white envelope, metaphorically speaking, full of money. I mean, it's in our bank accounts, it's perhaps in our investments, in our paychecks, in our wallets. He's entrusted money to us. He knows that we're going to have to use some of it to support ourselves for our, for our living expenses, even for recreation and fun. That's, that, there's nothing wrong with having fun with money that God gives us. But he also calls us to be stewards. So the question for us is how are we stewarding all the resources God has given us? Our time, our talents, the financial treasures that he's given us. I pray that we will have the heart that Paul's expressing here of cheerful givers who give to the benefit and the glory of God and his people and that we will recognize what Jesus said when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much, that you lavished your grace, this indescribable gift of salvation upon us. Lord, I pray that as we receive your generous gift to us, that we will not be stingy in sharing with others around us. Lord, we know this idea of this topic of finances can be um, a bit of a personal topic at times. It's also a deeply biblical topic. And I pray, Lord, that you help us not place our treasure in our finances or other earthly things, but place our treasure in Christ. As we treasure him, put our hope in, putting our hope in Christ alone, that we will then be able to live these lives of generosity that point other people to Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Lisa, I'll let you start. Okay, well, I had the $20. And, um, well, it, this was so much fun. I, I had a great time doing this. And I think, I think I was blessed more than probably anybody else. But um, what I chose to do, I was very deliberate and from what I was doing. The first thing I did was there's this um, crossing guard who always cheers up my day on my way to work when I see him. He's always waving, and I'm sure everybody knows who I'm talking about. Well, I wanted to bless him back, so I went to Javadoc, got him a nice big hot chocolate, and gave it to him. And he, he seemed to be really happy and, and blessed by it, but I think I was blessed more. I had a great day at work that day. I mean, I just had so much fun doing it. And then um, the second thing I did was... Um, I work in the healthcare field, and I know it can be really hard, and it can be uh, uh, sometimes an ungrateful job to do. So I took, and I went and got a big box of donuts, and I took it to the nursing home for the nurses and the CNAs in particular, so just to help them brighten their day. And I did it deliberately on a weekend, because it's really hard to work weekends all the time in the healthcare field. So that was the second thing I did. And then the third thing I did was, um, I was at Pick and Save Shopping, and then on my way out, there happened to be a shared taxi truck, or the van, 
And I just kind of knocked on the door anonymously and kind of quietly and paid for that person's um, transportation to the store. Um, and then I was having so much fun, I kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went to um, Culver's and deliberately got myself something. And I just paid for the person behind me. And it was I one made one tactical mistake with that, and that is that I... Um, had, I forgot that I ordered a hamburger and I had to stop and wait for my food so that the person ended up coming behind me, which I didn't think about. So, but it was kind of nice because she ran out of the car, came up to my window, and was so happy. She's like, oh, thank you. She's like, I heard of people doing this sort of thing, but it's never happened to me before. <laughs> and I'm like, well, good. Well, I, I go, I was happy to do it for you. Maybe someday you can pass that blessing on to somebody else. So, hmm. so that was my experience. That's really yeah. cool. Okay, well, I had the $30, and what I did is that a couple days ago, me and a friend from one of my art classes, she took me to Metro Market, and I split the 30 into 15 15, and I got two Metro Market gift cards, $15, and I kind of just walking around, and I saw a woman who had, like, a cart full of groceries and three little children, like, running around the cart, and she just looked really determined, and so... She was at the cash register, and I went up to her, and I asked her if she could take the card, and then it was just a blessing and good gesture, and she seemed really in disbelief, but after she realized that I was giving her free money, she was really, really grateful, and the second card I gave it to was... A middle-aged woman who just looked like she was having a bad day. She was alone, and she was in even more disbelief. It took actually probably like a minute for her to grasp that I was <laughs> giving her some money. And um, she was really grateful, and she actually did give me a hug. So mm. that felt really That's nice. really cool. So um, I got the $50, so I decided that in one way or another, I wanted to split the blessing between a lot of people. So um, I was tossing around ideas, and so my first thing was my mom was taking food over to the Bozakowski house anyways, so I gave her $10, and we bought flowers for Natalie because she's been like a lifelong friend, and I know that she's going through a lot of hard times right now. (laughs) And um, second, then I thought of another thing, that at OCS there was always a favorite um, charity, I guess, that it was um, a school in Guatemala, and the principal is Guatemalan, and she visits and comes up to the United States to raise funds for them. They are very, very poor. And um, we've done a lot of fundraisers with them in the past, and I decided that I wanted to give 20 to them because um, she's like the one most wonderful lady, and they are so poor that they just got their um, road paved, so they have nothing, and I wanted to bless them. And um, then the final thing was really exciting for me, that my friend just had a baby on Tuesday, and she's a teen mom, and she's 16. (laughs) And she made the right decision to keep this baby. Her teenage life is over. She's going to have to become an adult, and... um, Unlike a lot of teenage pregnancies today, hers is not glorified at all. Her family is very, very um, not well off, and she 
is going to take care of this baby. She is very smart. She knows she made a mistake. Um, but she just wants to provide the best that she can, and she's always been a really good friend to me. So I decided that um, after she um, had her baby on Tuesday, she had a girl, her name is Adeline, and um, that I would buy some clothes for her because she kept it a surprise if it was a boy or a girl, so she didn't have any girl clothes really. And so I bought $20 worth of clothes for her, and... um, so I went to Hidden Treasures to get the clothes, and the, we were talking to the manager, and one of their missions is to help the people, help people that are in need. So um, they're going to be donating some more stuff to her, so that's really exciting. And we, um, our whole class was really excited because she was always a good friend. She moved, but she was always a good friend to us, so we've been telling other teachers. Other teachers are going to be getting stuff for her. So it's just been multiplying itself already so yeah she doesn't know about it yet but um she's gonna have a baby shower with our mutual mutual friend soon so that's really exciting so mm. it's really cool yeah. alex will give it right back to you um thank you for sharing that it's really encouraging to see how you all are faithful in using that and uh, obviously, the money that you received last week was not ultimately your money. And I want to know just how did it feel to be entrusted with money uh, that wasn't ultimately yours and given the mission to use it in a faithful way? Um, it was really exciting because I know that the people that I blessed it with really need it. So um, it was fun to hand it out and to pick out stuff and just to do everything for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a little difficult at first for me. I didn't really know what to do with the money. And it was sitting in my wallet for a few days, and I went to a lot of friends for advice. And But ultimately, it felt really good to use it towards someone else. Yeah, um, when I got the money, too, I um, was really prayerful about it and wanted to do what God wanted me to do with the money. So I really took this to heart. I kept going. I was searching out for opportunities. And as I was searching, I kept kind of going to myself, is this really what God wants me to do with this? I'm not really sure. So for a couple of days, I was kind of like in this limbo waiting for that wow moment that, yeah, this is what God wants me to do with this, you know. But then I'm like, as I was waiting and waiting and waiting, I was realized I was missing, 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 missing opportunities. And so I kind of stopped doing that. And um, it just reminded me of something Charles Stanley once said. Um, this is not a quote, but he's like, when you don't need to ask God for permission or wait upon God when you're doing something godly itself or if you're doing something good for people. You, you have God's blessing. You just do it. You, know, you don't have to wait for a God to say, yeah, go ahead and bless this person. You bless them. So that's kind of one thing I learned. And then the second thing, um, I just, I don't know, it, I took to heart. It was very deliberate what I did with the money, and I thought about it. I was prayerful about it. And I just realized that ultimately everything we have is of God. Our talents, our abilities, our money, our resources, even our children are, you know, on loan to us from God. And I should be deliberate with all of my stuff, not as I was with that 20 bucks. So hmm. That's really cool. Well, thank you all for sharing. Uh, thank you for participating in that, even though I know that you had no direct say in whether or not you're going to do that since the envelopes were handed to you. Um, but it's just really encouraging to see how God worked through you as a blessing in the lives of others. Um, so you all can have a seat, and we have one more thing to follow up with this. So one of the people who 
uh, participated in this. We had three in the first service, three here in this service. One of the people appreciated this so much that they wanted to kind of pay this forward and keep the process going. And so they provided another white envelope uh, from their own wallets uh, that is going to be distributed here today uh, with instructions to use it as a blessing to others. And if you'd like to, keep it going. So, Paul, I'm going to hand this to you. And it's not for you. I want you to go out here and just give it to someone out here. <laughs> 